Hey, what's going on, guys? Dom the Movie Nerd here, and have you heard the good word? Game of Thrones is back! Well, not really, but the first official spinoff, House of the Dragon, is set to premiere next year on HBO, and that got me thinking about how Game of Thrones, the number one most-watched show for a decade, just seemingly disappeared from the culture after that god-awful finale. And I wanted to find out why, which is why I'm proud to present the newest hit show from the Talking TV network, Talking Thrones, the new weekly show where myself and friend of the channel, Professor Pat Huber, get together to break down each and every single episode of this hit show. We've got focus character segments, we break down the lore, we go over some old reviews, all to get to the question of where did this show go wrong? It's a really fun time. You guys are not going to want to miss this. So head over to the Talking TV channel on YouTube and Spotify to check it out. We go live every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Audio goes up the following Saturday. It's going to be a really great time as we once again battle it out for the throne. All right, people, we're going to live a little early tonight, but I feel like for this movie, we deserve it. We got one of our favorite indie studios back and unfortunately, did the quality deliver? We will figure out tonight with our review of Zola. It is the third A24 movie that I've seen so far this year, but it is only the second for my co-host right here, Chris. I almost shudder to ask it, but are you looking forward to tonight's review? All I'm going to say is be careful what you wish for. <laughs> be careful what you wish for indeed, <laughs> people. All of that and more. Stay tuned. Man, I didn't know Bounce It Off Fast and Furious was going to be so hard. What's going on tonight, people? We're back. It's the next episode of the Talking TV Podcast. We hope you all had an excellent 4th of July. It's July, as we know. We're, we're past the halfway point. We're into the second half of the year. 2021 is halfway over. That is absolutely insane, Chris. What, just, what do you have to say to that, first and foremost? Like, I remember where we were a year ago, and it was not in such a bright, happy spot. It was the middle of the pandemic. Like, what do you have to say as far as how far we've come just personally? No, it's, it feels great to be where we are, getting back out there, and I just hope uh, we continue along this path, man, because, I mean, we found yeah. a way to not only keep the podcast going, but also I feel just mentally maybe you and I are both yeah. a little more... I mean, look, we, we made the most of the pandemic. If anyone Absolutely. did, it was us, but, you know, I'm glad that we're not in it anymore. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah I'm with you on you that. Blink, you blink and we we're just covering Raya and the Lost Dragon and now we're here. Bro, it was crazy. It's That shit still feels like it was yesterday. Like March and all the shit that we did in March between beginning of Falcon and Winter Soldier, the Snyder Cut, and Kong vs. Godzilla was fucking nuts overall. I don't know. And we watched Nobody that month too. So that's True. the other thing to keep yeah, in mind. Yeah. But at the beginning of 2020, when we kicked off a certain amount of trends that we thought we were going to continue for a long time, and then the pandemic kind of came and uprooted that, we had just begun the tradition of, since Chris had finally watched a lot of movies from this studio, and I myself was finally becoming caught up, having been a longtime fan of theirs for like quite the last couple of years, uh, we were finally getting to the spirit of this new indie studio that was coming on the scene. We did a podcast about them last year during the pandemic. I also did my own personal top 10 list on them. 
then be sure to check that out if you haven't guys haven't already on the indie studio of A24 which started up in 2012 based out of New York City and has since given us such incredible films of the last couple of decades such as Moonlight Uncut Gems Ex Machina The Lighthouse American Honey Under the Skin The Florida Project The Witch The Farewell The Spectacular Now First Reform Spring Breakers The Lobster Disaster Artist and last year's Minarian on the Rocks to name a few ultimately so it's safe to say this studio has ultimately kept alive that spirit of cinema that we personally have talked about has been missing for so much of the second half of the decade and despite the fact that that they were only able to get out two installments during the pandemic really that being Minari and um, on the rocks uh, for Apple TV Plus. They've since so far made their comeback this year having released three major films so far earlier this year St. Maud and uh, later uh, about a month ago Hulu's False Positive. And now we're on their third film Zola which is the film directed by Janiska Bravo who's another first time up and coming filmmaker and, uh, and with a story based on the infamous tweet chain the 148 character tweet chain tweeted by Zola King about her journey to florida let's call it if you will in fall of 2015 chris you hear that first off that well first off like chris did you were you familiar with the tweet chain at all when this was a thing back in the day not at all that was news to me i went back and read it after the fact yeah i i did not read it i'm like i i just i don't want to know this i'm like i they're turning this into a movie i i i had faith i had faith in the idea that i'm like okay i trust these guys to be able to turn this into something cinematic and what we got among many other things, was certainly not that. I think we can say that first and foremost. That that was not this at all. Ultimately, it was. Yeah, I, I think. Ju- you know, let's just jump into it. like take the, the, the initial thoughts, spoiler-free section for everyone. So, yeah. yeah, you know, you get excited when you hear about A24 because there's so much that we speak about on the show. We talk all the time, especially with our sort of twenty. 20- 21 being the year of action films and our journey through action movie history and and especially for me catching up on franchises that I hadn't been really you know familiar with and 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 you know getting on board with like I pretty much did the Mission Impossible Fast and Furious Gambit and filled in my missing Marvel knowledge all over the past year and those are some long-running franchises that start in sort of like a day of old and and you can quickly see the modernization take hold and so A24 always kind of offered what I feel most of those earlier installments of these long-running franchises we have nowadays had that lost, which is attention to detail, you know, filmmaking first, spectacle second, just a studio that really cared about art, but not art house, because those are two different things. Like you can have them both be the same, but it doesn't always have to be associated with art house or, you know, it, it doesn't always have to come off as pretentious to be a film that can be impactful and 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 you know be different from what I have been saying a lot the homogenization that we're so used to you know with the, especially with the way popcorn flicks and popcorn TV now especially has sort of taken over and so A24 kind of always offers like I feel the perfect blend between what us film school brats love and what audiences also can appreciate who don't have as of a trained eye and so you get excited when you hear about A24 because I mean for the most part at least from what I've seen I've really enjoyed myself. And even some of the worst films are still respectable and and can stand their ground, albeit just not for me. Um, Let's say like in the case of like, I don't know, a Spring Breakers, like it's not necessarily for me, but I, I can see why a lot of people like it. Like there's a merit and art form there that you can't deny. 
So you, so my, my long-winded story short, before I give any of my thoughts on Zola, my little preface to how I feel about A24, you know, since we haven't addressed them here on the podcast in a while, you cannot help but get excited when you hear that name come across if you like filmmaking. Absolutely. No, I'm with you on that. And as far as A24 movies go myself, I, it was weird. I sort of got into them like right when they were starting to become hot because like 2015, they had like that breakout moment finally when Room was nominated for the Oscar and won Brie Larson, her Oscar for Best Actress. From what I heard, rightfully so, that's one of the few A24 movies I still have yet to see. But then I really came onto the scene with them in Moonlight because that's when they had Swiss Army Man, which was one of their biggest like just movies that got them attention, and Moonlight, which obviously famous for the Best Picture scandal. And it was only up from there. And that was when they were kind of like able to generate their kind of... The, the, their really power years came between like that 2017 to 2019 period, which is when they got the most amount of Twitter circulation Circulation, the most amount of hashtags. It was they truly took the idea of viral marketing to a whole new level as far as that goes. Like that technically started all the way back in like the their in the early days of 2013 when they were trying to like kind of you know have that very specific stamp, have that very specific music video kind of look and off kilter like quirky nature to them before they really started settling in and giving like really cool filmmakers the chance to experiment around it's given us some of the best filmmakers that we have like i believe so personally the next generation of modern auteurs you know in addition to the ryan Coolers of the world you know your ari aster your robert eggers your sean baker your safety brothers to name a few um your whether you like them or uh yoros lanthimos mike mills um Oh, oh my God! What's it called? Yeah, Yorgos Lanthimos. That's that's the one that I was thinking of. I was getting Yorgos and Ari confused for a minute. The point being, there's a lot of artists that are going to be coming up through this generation, and I really thought that Janiska Bravo was going to be one of them. This seemed like a really interesting take. She's like, okay, cool. This is going to be somebody else who's going to be able to offer a modern take on like kind of what modern day crime in America looks like, right? And it feels like a really kitschy word given the subject matter, but that's ultimately what it felt like this had the chance to go for, as far as that goes. Again, knowing nothing about the story itself, and what we end up getting is something that feels like a weird like experiment on someone's like inner psyche with like narrow voiceover narration but like used in all of the worst ways mixed with some of the worst qualities that we've seen from a24 they haven't put out a lot of bad movies but the bad movies that they have put out are very very apparent for all of the wrong reasons and this movie was exemplifying the worst of them like just the over the top attention drawing personality the the attention to showmanship over actual substance and ultimately resulting in having something that doesn't even actually try to say anything you know it's very rare that i get to utter these types of film critiques and sentiments towards movies considering the fact that majority of the stuff that we have is is uh, you know are kind of we have to almost follow the rules of blockbuster restriction but not here this is a24 this is full-on art house this is one of the few art houses movies and types of movies that can still stand to last so like i feel like when it hits this low the, these types of critiques are merited i feel yeah it's unfortunate because like you said it really doesn't offer that much I, I wouldn't say it offers nothing i think it could offer so much and that's the part that kills me you know it's it's just the execution of this film it, it really shows it, it's it's not a strong directorial debut let's put it that way no not at all Cinematography's fine, you know, the, the acting's fine, but to be editing's honest with good. you, the editing's fine, yeah, it just, it, it's, 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 it's got that A24 bar of quality, but it just doesn't have the vision behind it. Like, it's so messy and it's so sloppy, and, and hey, you know, maybe, here's an example, her husband, her boyfriend character, Zola's boyfriend, sort of drops out halfway through the film, and they could have really used him to build some concern and to build some anticipation. Yeah, right, uh, right, oh my god. 
they just completely dropped the ball with that character. And so, sure, maybe that's not in the Twitter threads, right? Maybe he kind of finds his way out of it. But as a filmmaker, you need to take some liberties unless you're making like a true documentary. If the story's not that exciting, though, where you can follow it piece by piece and there's no suspense through the end, well, then you need to do something there. I think they thought they hit this climactic moment where the boyfriend jumps out of a two-story building and, and he survives, but he really hurts himself. And I think that that relationship was strong enough and, and executed enough, uh, strongly enough, rather, to, you know, warrant an emotional response there. But too little too late is really how I felt for the majority of this film, especially because there were so many sequences of beautiful cinematography, but, but really like pages of a script that I could imagine either were empty or just weren't properly revised because it really felt like it led to a lot of nothingness. Yeah, I agree. This this movie, in a weird way, I'm actually uh, I kind of am taking back my editing sentiment because the problem is I what I meant to say was the editing is really great in this movie for the first half, and then the second half I don't know what happened. I don't know if she delivered like a little over a two hour movie that a twenty four then chopped down to an hour and a half because they have their they they are very very picky with their screen time. They only give out that two hour runtime to like their big movies, like their hereditaries, their uncut gems. I mean, uncut gems top two hours, but like. They are very, very picky with that two-hour time frame. And weirdly enough, I, can't, I, I don't know necessarily if it would have saved the movie, but I, this definitely felt like a movie that could have benefited from a longer edit. Because I feel like there, there felt like the, the problem is there was too much juicy stuff that was set up at the first half to not be delivered on. Like, I think uh, it, it's weird because I mean, this leads into another point, obviously kind of getting into like the nature of what this movie's going for, which is that there was a canceled star that I'd heard apparently it had as a sub are cut out but then apparently that wasn't the case like in the second half I'll, I'll get into that in more spoiler territory but it was just it was very confusing it felt like they were they completely ran out of time and were like oh maybe we can salvage this from like a tiktok standard by just like throwing in a bunch of like sound cues at the end like in a weird way like the sound was really brilliantly utilized for the first half like as far as like using the i feel like the 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 various emoji noises as like the backdrop to show her like distancing from the rest of society. Like all of that stuff is really interesting and really subliminal. And that's what makes me be willing to give this just a little bit more credit than maybe it, it, it would have initially deserved. But it's just the second half is when it all goes away. And it just becomes like random nonsensical drops and oh we got to pay this off of the worst line and oh we got to have some sort of excitement to throw in there and oh how are we gonna we're, we're, we're just gonna end it like I, I this is the latest in a, in a couple movies that i've been seeing in the last couple of years that just decide to just not have an ending and i'm like no stop with that trend that is a bad trend that needs that 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 needs to stop because it's just annoying and unfulfilling as far as that goes yeah not a good plan but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and i think there's a very there's a very um if you guys know our podcast, there is something to be said there that the Marvel quote can be used to sort of thwart the efforts of this film. Really? You know? oh, and then this, I, for I, this I, film in particular. I said at the beginning, I said, careful what you wish for. You know, like I wanted more A24. I wanted to get back to my art house realm. I wanted to appreciate good filmmaking. And you know what? I think that there's the saying, don't judge a book by its cover. But then I also think, you, you know, like every time a professional athlete like let's use baseball every time they step up to bat it doesn't matter how great they are they need to make contact again you know they need to hit that home run again and uh, you can't just assume that they will and i think i learned a good lesson honestly from this film yeah because 
A24, I mean, like I said, there's been movies that I've seen by them that I, I didn't like as much as others, but there was still that bar there, um, minus one St. Maud that I could respect a quality level in. But, uh, you know, it's two in a row now where, you know, I'm gonna, I might have to start view that, viewing them through a different lens. And yeah. so where I was going to go with all that is, I agree with you when you uh, you say that the first half had something to offer, although I don't think it had as much to offer as maybe you're saying it did. I might I be think, reading it into it too much, but... Because I, I just truly felt that we never established who these characters were. We never established their sort of, um, you know, friend romance type thing. Um, we never established the way that they got sort of that connection that warrants her uprooting her whole life just to go down to Florida to dance for a weekend with the girl she just met yesterday. Like I know in real life, the real Zola felt that connection and they had that click. I don't think they portrayed it though in, in a way no. that justified it for the film. No, and they did not. Really. I think this movie is like the worst road trip movie of all time. Oh my God. Paid like I was in a car. Painful the time. Dude. And, painful. Can I tell you? Yes, please do. Thing, yeah, if there's one thing I hate more than the majority of social media, it's TikTok and Vine videos. Bro. I do not find those entertaining. I, I, I don't know how people do it. I really don't. And and then the fact that I'm stuck in a car with all these people who I hate because, A, one of them is just so gullible that she just like went along with someone. And I get it. Give people the benefit of the doubt. But still, it's like... Your blinders aren't on when you meet when you meet someone like that, right. and then and then there's this you know the guy driving he's obviously insane, and then her <laughs> her boyfriend is obviously you know like cousin Greg from Succession, poor guy. I mean he's just in his own world, and yeah, you know literally. he's also insane, and it's like it's just <laughs> like the about, worst road trip I've ever been on, and I was talk even about there. talk about the Judd Nelson Award for being in a completely different movie because it definitely felt like oh. Matt, I did. I absolutely did. In, in case the change in skin tone wasn't apparent enough, I absolutely did have a good vacation. But What's it up, sucked man? because this is another movie that they had set in Florida, and they just it, they, it, it just made me like repulsed about, about wanting to be around tropical climates again because I'm like, Jesus, is this the kind of stuff that goes down? They're giving Florida a bad name right now. But like, what? Can we just talk about what was up with with, with Riley Keogh's Pam Coleman, the Coleman Domingo character X? Because like, just I'm. I'm never been more confused by a villain than in a movie that I've seen in my entire life because that shit made no sense at all. He just switched to a Jamaican accent randomly and like would just get super threatening and imposing. And the performance is really good, but I'm just like, is, is that all there is? Is he just another one note gimmick caricature like the rest of these? And it turns out, yes, he is ultimately. Yeah, ultimately he is, but I mean, his performance was pretty good. Yeah. And I think, you know, the movie's not really on his shoulders to live and die by. So I, true, I thought, true. like, while everyone and everything in this film was lackluster, I mean, he fit the part. It's just, again, I didn't feel that chemistry between the two girls that were going through this together. I just yeah. never really truly believed it. And so everything else felt paper thin. Yeah, I agree, ultimately. It's kind of sad. Um, th there's really like not too much else to talk about with this movie because that's unfortunately pretty much all that happens in it. There's yeah, it is. one moment, there's one moment of saviorism where Taylor Page just like starts, and it's weird because I feel like it's like it's like earlier than the point that you would expect it to happen in like a more traditional movie, but like it still happens enough when it's satisfying. The whole thing is she immediately realizes that something's up and starts yelling at her after the, the pimp. Also, he's literally called X because his name is never said. Um, fucking. 
uh, just, just yelled at her in a Jamaican accent again and threatened her. And so she's in the room and is like, yo, what are you up to? And Riley Keogh gives her that bullshit about thing about her baby. And then the boyfriend stupidly reveals later on that like she's done this with other girls. I'm like, bro, nothing is stopping you from walking out of this apartment. Like, Uber is a thing. And I like I know that he says that like he knows where she lives, but like at the same time, I'm like, bro, if he shows up, like call the police on him. Look, just like the gaps in logic that go into this, where it's like, okay, this is where the base on a true story really starts to hurt this, not help it. Cause like I just I can't get well, my grasp on it ultimately. I can't. I don't know. I think if I was in that situation i'd be scared these people have guns and they're they're walking around and i think that's that's a perspective i mean i can see what you're saying but that's also perspective i don't necessarily want to try and try and look you know what it is i would never have that experience but Sorry, what you, were you saying? No, you know what it is? It's just a matter of, I'm like, I'm just, I, I hate being stuck in that situation with everyone, so I'm just myself thinking of ways that I would want to get out, and I'm applying well, it to the characters. I was, I was I'm applying it her... to the characters because that's how much I just hate being there with this movie. Like, this might be the most unpleasant experience that I've had in a theater so far this year. Yeah, it's probably the most unpleasant experience I've had in a theater my whole life. The yeah. whole time I was... And we saw was... Spiral a month ago. Yeah, the whole time I was hoping she would text her boyfriend, like, the address, pick me up, share her pin so he could right. come and just, you know, quickly get the, get her GPS location. Like, I was just hoping she would get out of there. I mean, I right. just, it was, but I mean, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, I, I don't know what else I could say about this well, film other than it was utterly unenjoyable. Yeah, but because you know what else it was? It was the fact that it's. It ultimately, it's gaps in logic prevent this from being a compelling story with anything of merit to, st- to say. Because I do think that the movie ultimately is trying to say something, but I think it's just ultimately flawed because this director is very amateurish. It's very clear. Yeah. And very clearly had like one specific message. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go based off the magazine article and the tweet chain and then did no other research as far as that goes. And, and that's, ultimately- the that, that, that's the part that kills me the most. Because yeah. like we both said, there was rich subject material to explore here. It's just so underutilized and, and, and just it's 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 not I don't think her journey and what she went through, the actual person of Zola that lives and walks, you know, around like we do. I, I don't think I, I feel like it's not just like, I don't know. Like, well, it's pretty it's, sad. It's pretty sad because this type of journey we've seen done before by A24. They, it hasn't been done well is the problem, but it has been done before earlier with like one of their earlier movies, The Bling Ring, which I think is a perfect segue into our next section where we talk about how this compares to the rest of A24's filmography. Before you guys do that, be sure to leave your comments in the section below. What are your thoughts on Zola if you have seen it before? And be sure to also click the subscribe button to this video and follow us on all our social media profiles, Talking TV Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Now, we're adding that too. So, Chris... We've seen a decent amount of A24 movies, both of us. A24 definitely is very familiar with their style. It works well for them, usually nine times out of ten. But on that tenth one, they they do have a miss. And they've got a fair amount of misses on their table. So, I wanted to talk about kind of how the A24 segmentation in this movie, or the A24 kind of stylus in this movie, how did that go so wrong as far as, far as that goes? Yeah, it seems like it's uh, par for the course. This film feels like it fits perfectly when you hear the pitch. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Who else would make that? A24. They have to. But somewhere along the line, there's just, like I said, there's a, dis- there's a disconnect. And, 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 you know, like the last sentiment I was trying to bring out, which I further refined, it, it just doesn't feel like Zola's journey is, is given the justice it deserves on the screen. You know, I'm sure it was traumatizing. I'm sure it was heartbreaking and scary and and horrifying and all those words but 
I didn't feel it. I did not feel it. And and A24, I find they, you know, they're they they either really knock it out of the park or or, or they they come up very short. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah, I I. I, I I've seen a lot of A24 movies, and the thing that always stands out to me about the ones that don't work is they're the ones that always rely on style over substance. It doesn't happen very often, and that's a term also that I hate because it's been ruined by the internet. But ultimately, the A24 movies to me, which I can list off a few right here that don't work, uh, Free Fire, Midsommar, Bling Ring, St. Maud, It Comes at Night, Never Going Back, uh, Hot Summer Nights, those are the ones that rely a little bit too much on substance rather than actual story. And the stories themselves usually come off as either generic and lacking focus or ultimately just boring at the end of the day. And that's kind of, I feel like, problem number one here is the style over substance, value on the interesting camera work and trying to amp up tension in weird and different interesting ways. It's almost like it's kind of going against the opposite approach of building tension versus when A24 has been at their best those are the movies that build tension really, really expertly well in ways that you wouldn't expect, like Ex Machina, like Good Time, like, um, what's it called? Like even mid-90s, you know, Under the Skin, The Florida Project, some of their best movies. Those are the ones that build tension in ways that totally feel unexpected or ways that are so familiar that they're able to play with the tropes against you, okay? You know, like my number one example when it comes to it is Uncut Gems. But this movie's, it's kind of ultimate, ultimate reliance on... On its subject matter. It's almost like it's the first thing that I've seen where it's like we know we aren't actively shocking you. So we're like having to constantly replicate it with all this like kind of film magic in order to replicate the feel like, oh, what the instant like being in the moment of feeling that those tweets as they were popping up in real time. You know, that's ultimately what this film relies on. It's kind of nostalgia bubble in the worst way possible. Yeah, it's they're they're either mediocre or they're either groundbreaking, I feel Uh, it's. Some people tend to compare them to Blumhouse, and maybe I'm starting to see. Uh, I mean, although the problem is it's like Blumhouse's highs are nowhere near as high as H24 highs, and Blumhouse's lows until recently were, you know, far lower than H24's. But I feel like the gap might be being bridged there a little bit in their recent outings. It's just, just a little bit. It's just unfortunate because the way I see it, this movie was ripe for an H24 outing it was ripe for you know so good social commentary sort of showing uh, the hardships of a different type of person uh, who who like you know works in america like strippers like the things they have to go to go through and like you know like the type of people that come around and that environment and it could have really done a lot and said a lot and shown a light on like sort of like hey like maybe this is something that needs more attention and instead it just kind of felt like it went for well, I guess that's really the problem, isn't it? I was going to say it felt like it went for like shock value, but nothing really shocked me in this film. I don't I I have not seen a movie fall this short in quite some time. It's very it's so it's it to me personally it fell so short it's it's hard to talk about. It's yeah. hard to quantify it's all of its shortcomings. I can't you know what I mean? Yeah, no. I I do I do get what you're saying as far as that goes. It's ultimately a matter of I think so. So, like, let, let, let's take a scene from this movie, for example, and break it down and, and kind of figure out what it is that doesn't work about it, which is, I feel like, the final confrontation. So, you have ultimately them going to a job that feels weird, but there's no indication of it because they play it out like it's completely normal, right? Like, it's a normal, like, kind of job that they're going to at the end. And then they knock on the door. Of course, it's open. 
and she gets pulled into the room ultimately. And then of course she runs back to the pimp. He runs up with the gun. They go in, and the way that they ha- and first off, they try to pull the the, Pav- the Pavlov's gun technique in the worst way possible by having it revealed to be Jason Mitchell. From, in order to try and connect it to the beginning in the most obvious way where it's setting it up to be like, see, get it? This guy's going to be bad and he's going to come back near the end. And I think they pay it off in the absolute worst way possible, ultimately. And then their solution is to go in to sexualize this main character even more and then like shoot him. It's like, bro, why didn't you just do that in the first place? And then for that to be like kind of the wrap up before we get to the ending, which is supposed to be the boyfriend running and attempting to kill himself, it, 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 there's no ultimate kind of rise and curve of it, right? There's no gradual build to it or anything. It just kind of goes and peters off and goes and peters off. It's the it's the absolute worst case of writing I think I've seen like in a while because it's ultimately writing things that don't really have a sense of unifying tension. There ultimately is no story. You don't feel the beats in a weird way that we've become so used to, I feel like, in, in recent years. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't have that, connective tissue that makes you feel every step of the way every enduring path uh, every enduring you know uh, step along this path that they're on really comes out and justifies itself in the end like with a rewarding sort of conclusion whether that be something unfortunate or whether that be a triumph you you just don't get anything out of it so it kind of feels like what's the point because i feel like even as schlocky as most road trip movies are, there's still a conclusion and there's still like if either the family had a great time or they had a bad time, but you get a rewarding emotional payoff depending on the scenario. And and this movie obviously is ripe for a very impactful one if done the right way. But I think it's everything you're saying. I think it's a lack of research, although we can't confirm that right now, but it just feels that way. I think it's a very new filmmaker. I think it's possibly... It's, it's, it's possibly maybe not everything that goes viral needs to have a, a film deal made. Right. Well, it's just that not everything needs a film. Not everything is a story worthy like of a movie, right? And I feel like there's, there also feels like there was a lot left out as far as that goes. Or if there was everything that was included as they could have, then it ultimately felt like this just didn't need to be a story. And... I've heard this talked about a lot with like kind of first time filmmakers, right? We, you know how they always have a great experience with Netflix, but I have a feeling that like Netflix kind of like has a really great structure system that kind of shepherds them along the way. Since Netflix shoots everything like TV movies and TV movies environments, I've heard are like great to work in as far as just like a great structure. But A24 is not like that. A24 actually throws you in and actually has you like make a film for the first time. And it's either you land it or don't. And there are people who have landed it and there are people who haven't. And that's why, again, I don't want to completely demolish this film her completely i think she does have a good movie in her i just think that this wasn't it ultimately i think this was a matter of this script had kind of been floating around for a couple years now and they finally just got somebody to make it it ultimately felt like the most corporatized thing i think i've ever seen them do oh yeah i'm totally cool with giving someone the benefit of the doubt and especially a young filmmaker uh, it's uh, look i can't imagine how hard it is to direct your first movie so yeah i'm, I'm like if she makes another film i'll check it out but if that one feels similar to this one, there's only so much time in a day, and so it clearly doesn't take it clearly doesn't take her to a place of good standing. I think with most people having this be her directorial debut. But again, like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the more open-minded critics. Uh, you know, um, like I, I, I tend to appreciate and um, 
am impatient with artists as they come into their own. So yeah, I get what you're saying, but this is by far one of the worst directorial debuts I've seen in quite some time. I also yeah. have to say that. Yeah, it's bad, ultimately. So, I feel like that's all that we have to say as far as its comparison to the rest of A24's canon. Uh, in yeah. conclusion, it's not one of their best, ultimately. It really is Star ratings? Uh, well, first off, well, we have one more thing to do, ultimately, before we get out of here. But um, well, what, oh. what did you guys think? Yeah, but what did you guys think of... Uh, how do you think this compares to the rest of A24's canon? Whatever your thoughts are, make sure you leave them in the comment section below. Click the subscribe button and also follow us on our social medias at Talking TV Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Chris, so we have one more topic to bring up begrudgingly, yeah, which is, does this need to be a movie? Like, I'm struggling to try to find out if this would have worked even as a TV series. And I was thinking really long and hard, but I think I found something. I'm like, look, Everyone wants to be, um, what's it called? Everyone wants to like make shorter and shorter form content, right? So what if they made this just like as a, as a mock series of Vine videos? Like if they did like an impersonation rather than like an actual performance and made this as a series of Vine videos? Because that's I think the quality that a that this film deserves ultimately after what it after what it put us through is a Vine parody. It doesn't even deserve to be Vine parody quality. Yeah, I mean it's. And then yeah, I realized that Vine doesn't wrong. exist. And I realized that Vine doesn't exist, so I realized that I actually meant to say TikTok. Right, well, there's Showing the my thing. age right there. They're the same thing. Now, listen, I kind of just already addressed this, but I'll just say it again in case you didn't hear me. This, Not everything needs to be a movie. This proved it. You know, it's like, I can't wait to see how many terrible scripts are written about the GameStop thing. Hollywood sold nine Whoa. scripts. Now, while I do think that needs to be a movie, that's a different situation, but it shares a similar sentiment where I don't think we need nine movies about right. that. So we'll see. I mean, look, that also, is going to not be, all of I them are going to be good. That scenario is going to sort of play into what we were sort of hinting at with this one. Although, again, we can't confirm that she may have not done as much research as we think. But the ones that have the, be the best research are going to look like the big short and the ones that don't are going to, they're going to look like a fire festival documentary. Yep. They're going to be all yep. types of messy. And, and so look, it's like one of those types of things, man, where I get it. It's a cool, interesting idea. The Twitter's the Twitter verse is very big to tap into. You know, you could go viral off of making a movie about something that is viral. She's a young filmmaker. So she's of the, you know, age that you know we, we we we're different you know we uh we watch 30 second videos instead of like for hours instead of watching like hour-long tv shows like right. we're different so it makes sense i just i hope that this is a lesson in reflection you know have the idea and then let it simmer and ask yourself in two weeks okay does this have legs to stand on after all I you know? think the lesson, if anything, to take away from this movie is don't make a movie that's based on a story that's from five years ago. Like, I get it. This shit is hard to capture in real time. But, like, that's why documentaries are a thing at the end of the day. Like, if this story was worth telling, you easily could have turned this into, like, a documentary that you could have released in, like, 2016, 2017. Just that it's recent, ultimately. Like, the thing that I found is that stories on the internet, they just don't have the ageability like age-wise as like previous real life events that have been turned into stories and it's like the most recent thing where it's like okay do something fictional or <coughs> or at least try to add like a little bit of spice to it you know and this just did not have that ultimately so i feel like if that's my one contribution that i can throw in there that's really all that i have so now yeah, do you want to need star to be ratings? a movie <laughs> it really didn't ultimately so now do you want to do star ratings i would love to 
Yes, you go. You lead off. Easy. I am giving this a zero point two out of five stars. Wow. I can't knock like Jesus. the work and time, and I'm glad that it gave people jobs, and, and especially in, in a time where, you know, the film industry was uh, obviously not doing the best. Like, I'm glad people got some work either before the pandemic or whenever they shot this, just so they can hopefully survive a little longer. Like, I'm always here for the artist and to support the art. But, man, you're going to have to really win me over on your second film, if you get one. Yeah. Like I said, I would love to see a redemption story. I would love for the real story here to be that she made Zola and then comes back and makes a film so undeniably good that everyone's just rethinks re how they judge a directorial debut. Exactly. We'll see if that happens because I'm sure I'm not the only guy out there with that low of a score, but that is the lowest score I've ever given a movie on this podcast. Damn. And I stand by it 110%. Damn. That's, what about you, Dom? That's crazy. I'm not going to go as low as you, I will say. But I will also definitely say that this movie, this movie's rating kind of lowered a little bit in my eyes. I This was kind of tragic for this to be my return to watching A24 movies in theaters. For this movie that should have, by all rights, been interesting, kind of be like this really boring, not at all like conclusive, poorly executed kind of puff piece or attempted statement piece on what I still have no idea. Don't trust people I guess on the internet, I guess is this movie's takeaway. If I can try to apply any sort of message to it, this movie is unfocused. This movie is a directorial debut gone completely wrong. And this movie is what happens when a 24 goes fully unleashed. Um, I'm giving this movie two and a half out of five stars ultimately. And honestly, the less said, the better, but um, Chris, well, I let you go. Wow, that sound, that felt like an outer space sneeze right there. That was actually pretty cool. Yeah. I well, hey, you off. know, I I, I want to keep my problems away from the chat, man. <laughs> you know, I don't want my problems to become our chat's problems. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of the chat, ultimately, let us know below like what your guys' thoughts are just on A twenty four in general. Because Chris and I are going to do something unprecedented. We're going to break off from the podcast a little bit early, and we're just going to run down our top ten A twenty four movies. That's right. We're going to run them off. Just if we want to say something about them, we can. But ultimately, sure. we can just talk about and exemplify the good that the studio has done. Like I said, I've already done this top 10 list, so be sure to check that out if you guys haven't already. And also be sure to check out our solo A24 episode that we did last year, because that was a lot of fun as well. So, Chris, you ready? Let's just go back yeah. and forth. Let's starting just go back 10? and forth. Yeah, starting at 10. So, ready? So, my 10, Under the Skin. Under the Skin? I'm going with High Life. High Life. My number nine, The Florida Project. My number nine is Climax. All right. My number eight, The Lighthouse. My number eight is Moonlight. All right. My number seven, American Honey. Oh, okay. My number seven is The Witch. Ooh. Number six, Good Time. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one. My number six is Mid-90s. Ooh, good one. My number five is Mid-90s. Nice, nice. My number five is The Farewell. Hey, good choice. My number four is Swiss Army Man. Hell yeah. My number four is Under the Silver Lake. Nice. My number three is Ex Machina. Awesome. My number three is Lady Bird, because how could Ooh, it not be? Of course. How, my number two is Moonlight. Nice, nice. I was hoping it'd be in there somewhere. Oh, it's high. It's high, dude. It's high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my number two is The Lighthouse. Ooh, perfect. And number one, at the same time. Ready? Three, two, one. Uncut, Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Fucking A. <laughs> yeah, Let's go. Yeah. 
Let's awesome. I figured that would be the case. Go. Dude, th- th- right. th- that shows you the best that made the of whole the studio, ultimately. That, that, that made it. That, like, we're just <laughs> rattling it back and forth, ultimately. Guys, you can check that out. This is probably going to be the shortest podcast that we've ever done, but that's okay. It's worth it. Um, we're, we're still here to give you guys quality content, ultimately, at the end of the so day. So much planned for you guys coming down the pipeline, oh, by absolutely. the way. absolutely. You might have to wait a little while, but we have a big weekend at your time of hearing this coming up for a super secret special surprise project. Oh, yes, indeed. We got a lot planned, so I'm just trying to let them know, like, just because it's short, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that anything. It, we still got more stuff hopping up. We're popping up. We're still wrapping up our Fast and Furious. We will be releasing our Hobbs and Jump first time watch, and we'll be doing the rankings on Friday. Apologies, people. I'm also just going to spoil this now because I'm kind of pissed because they both like just bailed on me but um the podcast the the fast and furious rankings the reason why we were saving it for that special day was because we were going to have both of my brothers on the podcast in order to give their rankings but ultimately they turned out they had not watched certain of the movies and the timing just didn't work out because my hotel situation in jamaica where i was on vacation last week the timing it just it didn't ultimately work out but so we'll be getting that to you guys on friday just myself and chris that'll be in place of our variety special that we have on friday and then of course we're getting it chris next week we've been talking about the mcu all year long in tv form, but we're finally getting them back monday people black widow the mcu is back and from there We'll have even more stuff to tide you guys over throughout July and the rest of August into the rest of the summer into a couple of things that we've got lined up for you guys in the fall. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Chris, they can follow all of us with where in order to keep up with all this stuff that we've got planned for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Facebook, um, Instagram, and we're going to be branching out to other social medias, but just at Talking TV Podcast. Anywhere that you think we might be, we probably are. We post daily. We have a pretty active Instagram community going as well, so please feel free to join us there. Again, that's at Talking TV Podcast. Talking spelled T-A-L-K-I-N. We would love to see you there. And uh, speaking of places where you could see us, you know, Dom and I, while we give a lot of our lives to this podcast, we also have other things that we do. And so the same places you can find our podcast, you can find me and Dom, but I'll tell you about myself first at Christian Ivanko, Ivanko spelled E-V-A-N-K-O on all social medias. I make music, which you can find through the link in my bio. I also have another podcast called Talking with Andrew and Chris, which you can find through the link in my bio. And, uh, I hope to see you there because um, uh, while we're working on a lot for this project, Dom and I are both multifaceted, multi-talented people, and uh, there's more to us than just this, thankfully, which I think makes this show so interesting. So please follow the podcast first, me second, and uh, well, I don't really care about the order. You can follow Dom second, me third. Just follow all of us. But uh, Dom, tell them where they can follow you, and then they can determine the order themselves. Well, I just got back <laughs> from Jamaica, so I'm, people love vacation pictures, so I just posted vac- pictures of my vacation on my personal Instagram, at Movie Nerd Review, where you could also see me on Facebook and Letterboxd as well, where I just posted my thoughts on this lovely movie that we just reviewed for you guys. And you can follow me mostly, of course, on the social media for Instagram and Facebook for our podcast, The Talking TV Podcast. It is what gives us lifeblood and allows us to continue to, continue to give you guys the quality content you could deserve. We would also appreciate it very much if you click the subscribe button and left a comment on this video below. Let us know your thoughts on Zola and the rest of the A24 canon. And we'll be back with more A24 for the rest of the year. This is not the last that you'll hear of us from them. They're going to have a lot of movies, and I think we're going to have, hopefully, at the very least, our A24 list for next year for 2022, the beginning of 2022 for the movies of 2021 is going to be awesome. At the very least, so we can count on that. But in the meantime, people, for myself, from Chris... 12 seasons in a short film and watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time.